Welcome to Profoundly Pointless. My name is Nick Vinzant. Coming up in this episode, plastic surgery secrets and easy things that are really hard to do. Imagine taking a whole section of your abdomen and now reattaching it with its vessels, its blood vessels to your face. It might, I might give you exactly what you want. Be like, this is exactly what you wanted. And you might be super unhappy because it's just not what you imagined it to be. You didn't realize how people would treat you different. But man, I'll tell you, it's a, aesthetic medicine is a dirty, dirty field. If people only knew, it's dirty. Because, listen, okay, there was a time where literally I was the world's leader in making dimples. I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you get a chance, like, download, subscribe, share, leave a review. We really appreciate it. It really helps us out. So when we started this show, this episode is really what we set out to do. Taking a topic that people were familiar with, curious about, and really revealing what the real story is, what it's really like to be involved in it. Our first guest is a prominent plastic surgeon in Beverly Hills who is known around the world. And he has this fascinating story about an industry that is focused on beauty but can be very dirty. This is plastic surgeon, Dr. Gal Aronoff. Real quick, I have to apologize. There's something in my audio. We're trying to figure out what it's going on, if it's in the upload or the recording or whatever, but it's incredibly frustrating for us and we're trying to get it fixed. It's fine. It just annoys me that it's not what it could be. Is plastic surgery, is it a complicated surgery or is it generally fairly uncomplicated compared to other surgeries of course oh way less complicated way less complicated what do we even think plastic surgery is because i think like lay people associate plastic surgery with with some like what do you think plastic surgery is the first thing that i would go to is like a nose reduction Right, like that's the thing that I would think first. And you're using a knife, you cut open a side of their nose, and you chop half of it off. So I think, so I think most people have that association with plastics. They think about aesthetics. They think about oh, like yeah, the nose looking better, or the face looking better, or you know, breasts or whatever. So and there's a lot of other aspects of plastic surgery that are like more reconstructive. Like you're actually you know, taking like a big flap of tissue from another part of their body. Like imagine taking a whole section of your abdomen and now reattaching it with its vessels, its blood vessels to your face, right? Just to kind of, you know, fix some like huge defect in the face. If you look at plastic surgery as a whole, like the industry, how much of it would you say is kind of the reconstructive aspect and how much of it is I want to look better, feel better about myself? Like if we broke it into a percentage, I think as time goes by, it's more and more of that aesthetic, you know, for, for many different reasons, uh, public interest demand, it's what people want. There's only going to be so much reconstructive stuff out there, but it's almost like limitless possibilities for the aesthetic side. What? Like when you look at most kinds of plastic surgery. Why is it less complicated than other kinds of surgery? Because it has to have such a high degree of success. Does that make sense? Like, for example, if you're going into brain surgery, like you're lucky to come out alive. If you go in for a nose job and you come out and there was a higher risk of death for that, for example, or, you know, 10% of people came out without a nose at all, I don't think many people would be getting nose jobs. But if you got some brain cancer, I mean, you do what you got to do. You take 10% risk any day of the week. That makes perfect sense. So then is it less complicated because plastic surgeons are like, we're only going to do the easiest stuff. 
we're only going to do the things we know can be successful? Or is it just that, like, it's really not that difficult to take a centimeters off somebody's nose? Okay, so when you're talking about complicated, sometimes the complicated is going to be getting that result to be consistently good. Okay, so, like, that's another factor. Can you get something to be consistently good? And so a surgery might be easy by itself, but now the hard part is going to be to get consistently great results or to have a predictable result. That might be really hard. Uh, and yes, yeah, some surgeries are harder. Uh, nose jobs are known as, as more complicated, not because the surgery is complicated. Anyone can go in there and technically do a nose job, but now there's different techniques, different little modifications, different refinements that might be a lot harder. Do you, when you go into the surgery, like, do you know exactly what somebody's face is going to look like after you do it? Or are you taking more of an educated guess based on experience? You, you kind of hope that after doing something a lot, you have a, a reasonably good idea of what they're going to look like. But it's not 100% because there's other factors when it comes to healing or everyone might do a little different. It's not 100%. So, like, I think that's, that's like what you have to relate to people. Like, for example, like what you just said there, people, I think that's what people think of right now. Like, you probably, if you're going to go have surgery right now and actually make that decision, you're going to want to know what you're getting. Yeah, like I would want you to show me a picture of what I'm going to look like afterwards. But you couldn't necessarily do that. Like you don't completely know. Doing like we do have software that we could kind of like show you, especially for noses. Like, okay, this is kind of what my plan is. But what the plan is might be totally different than the outcome. And that's what I think I think like uh, like, for example, if you came in for a console, we got to get your expectations to be in line with reality. Is that usually a hard part of it? No, that's like 90% of it, to be honest. Like, because really think about it. Uh, what's what would you consider a good result? What do you think is a good result, a good outcome with plastic surgery? I guess that would be the difficult part is I don't really even know what a good result would be until after I saw it. So exactly. So uh, you're coming in with expectations, right? And you might be like, oh, I think I want my nose one inch back. You might not have any idea what that might even look like. It's true. You know, yeah. and, and it might, I might give you exactly what you want. Be like, this is exactly what you wanted. And you might be super unhappy because it's just not what you imagined it to be. You didn't realize how your whole fit. You didn't realize how people would treat you different, and now you're that's weirded you out. There's so many variables. Have you ever had clients come back to you and say, like, my whole life is different. People treat me differently. I don't feel like myself anymore. And in good and bad ways, I've had people where they felt so great afterwards that they realized that. Their, their marriages are just not good for them because that person was mistreating them and now like they know better. Like, I'm going to get myself out of this. So you've seen, you know, I've seen people come back and literally say, I got this huge promotion and people give me so much more respect now after this and they attribute it to this. So there's good, there's positive and negative. And, and one thing might be positive in some ways and negative in another way. I feel like that says something about us as society too, right? That like my life is exactly like this. And then I got my nose reduced by half an inch and now I've been promoted and I've got a new wife. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that crazy how much of it? And now I don't think that's society. Like I used to think that. I honestly, I was very... For years now, and I, I'll tell you, it's all changed when I've had children now because now I see how kids are firsthand. And, and I used to be like, fuck society, fuck the media, like, you know, the media is ruining us. And all, and now I'm like, nah, man, this is, this is our nature. The only thing the media and everyone, and I'm like, fuck plastic surgeons. You know, all they do is, is you're trying to make money doing this stuff. 
And and now I'm like, you know what? It's us. Like we're born this way. The media, everything is just about giving us easy access. It's like lowering friction to what we really want. Like, how are your kids? Like, have you noticed something like extremely superficial that your kids kind of think in a way? No, not really, but they're not aware of it. So I am on the lower side of average in height. I'm 5'8". Okay, so let me ask you this. Imagine there was an easy thing that you could do to make you taller. My wife is five foot, and my youngest is probably going to be pretty small. And that age of small where it could affect his life. And there's, like if he's 5'4 or 5'5, five five, how different would his life suddenly be if he was 5'8 or 5'9? So different. You know, and that's sad. But it's the truth. It's the truth. Especially, you know, I, I hope our world will be less sexist in 20 years, but especially for a man. And But at the same time, then what if you change it and then his whole personality is completely different? Oh, of and course. And you take away what made this wonderful person. You're you know? right. But again, it's hindsight. When you do a surgery, right? And I keep going back to the nose just because it's the easiest thing for me, right? But does everybody's pretty much the same. Well, okay, so you can have an idea, right? You go in and ba again, based on experience, you're like, okay, I think this might be the issue. And you can have a plan in your head and be like, all right, this is what I think we're going to need to do. And let's say someone has never had a prior nose job. So you kind of have a good idea what normal anatomy is. For a revision rhinoplasty, everything's out the door because you have no idea what's going to be in there. But for for like a, a fresh nose that's never had anything done, you got like hopefully a decent idea or you should. It still follows like the basic anatomy. Typically, like there might be other things like one, maybe one side is more crumpled in or, you know, this kind of an asymmetry exists in the cartilage or or this and that. But yeah, it's yeah, there's like usually typical anatomy. But in the no, you got to think about it. Like it might be typical anatomy. Now it, it becomes like, well, how observant are you? Because it might be typical, but there might be a couple of millimeter difference here and there. And if you're not aware of those couple of millimeters, that might be the difference between a great result and just a mediocre result. How much room for error do you generally have? I mean, it really depends on your expectations. Right. I mean, okay. So let's say your, your nose needs like, like you got a giant nose. Okay. Giant where we could just put a little tiny bomb in there, detonate it and you'll come out looking better. Right. So, so you've got a lot of room for error. Now, if let's say your nose is okay, but you got like this one little tiny thing about it, you really wish was different. Now we've got less room for error. So, so that's what you got to factor in. And sometimes you got to make patients aware of that. Is there a part of the face that's like, oh, this is the hardest part? Okay, so here's the thing. Like as surgeons, especially nowadays, we become very niche. Where, okay, let's say in our parents' generation, you are lucky if your town even had a plastic surgeon or maybe a surgeon in general. So that surgeon got to do everything and people didn't expect much and they're like, Oh great. Thanks doc. Right. People were like bringing you gifts and being so thankful and giving you high fives. And now it's like people's expectations are through the roof and they want to go to the best person for that particular thing. It's very different and it's easy to find that person. So, you know, you got a nose person. That's all they do is noses and you've got an eyelid person all they do is eyelids or any number, any feature. There could be an extreme subspecialist in that field who that's what they do. What do you, now, what do you specialize in? Oh, man. I mean, I don't really want to talk about myself specifically. But, yeah, I mean, like, I'm probably, I'm very well known for forehead reductions. Okay. That's like one of my babies where, like, literally we have most of our patients are flying in from all over the world for this one surgery. And most surgeons haven't even heard of it. How do you reduce somebody's forehead? Oh man, it's gruesome. It's gruesome. Imagine scalping someone. 
All right. So you cut their, their make an incision and you're literally moving the whole scalp forward and cutting away the extra piece of forehead just to make their forehead smaller. But aren't you like cutting apart their skull? No, no, you're, you're just lifting, you're lifting the scalp off the skull. You're like moving their head forward. Yes. Moving the scalp forward. I have always loved the joke about like, that's not a forehead. That's a six head or that's yeah, like a five you head. You know what? It's a funny joke until you realize the person on the other side of that joke is now devastated forever. Right. Yeah. For one joke. One joke. This is why I really like, I'm sure I don't know how you are, but I mean, I, you know, I tried to be funny when I was a kid and you know, sometimes like we don't know what our funny jokes are actually doing to someone. We don't even recall. I had a, I had a second cousin once and, uh, like 10 years after the fact, she told me that when we were kids, I made a, I made a joke about her acne and for the, and I don't even remember. And for the rest, and since then, she has been so mortified about her skin. And I had no recollection. And here I was with my words. I, I literally changed this, the way this girl sees herself. You know, joking around with the friends, the guys, that kind of stuff. I don't point out anything physical about people anymore. Like I have completely stopped doing that because you don't like, number one, the person can't usually do anything about it. And it's just, it's just a difficult thing. Will you have some of your clients come in and be like, oh, I've always just been self-conscious about it. Oh yeah. I mean like, like I have literally people that their whole life since they were eight, like I'll ask someone, how long has this been bothering you? Right. That's like one of my first questions. Cause you want to have a good assessment of how great of an effect this has even had on their life. And yes, people will be like, since I was a little kid, since my sister made this comment, since my mom made this comment and it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a huge weight. But then for you, you know, like as a plastic surgeon and other plastic surgeons, do you just notice kind of like everything with people's faces? Like, oh, I could do this to you. I could do this. You would look like this. Like everybody assumes that when they're talking to me, I'm like analyzing their face and I'm just, I don't, I honestly, I don't even look at people because I think I've just been numb to it now. And my wife might come back with a different haircut or her eyebrows done or I have no idea. Like I'm just like every other man. I have no idea. And my wife will be like, Hey, did you notice this about this person's face? I'm like, no. Right. <laughs> and now people are like, what kind of a plastic surgeon are you? You don't notice anything. And I'm like, listen, that's mine. I don't want to make it my job to point out people's flaws. That's not fun. I'm here to kind of help someone who has been self-conscious their whole life about something. So being out of Beverly Hills, like I'm imagining that are most of your clients more vanity based, like, or are they more like self-conscious based? I know that's kind of the same thing, but I think you know what I'm getting at. I know what you're getting at. And, and I'll tell you, I, I don't want uh, people to get an idea that they could generalize this because everyone's practice is so different. And I feel like you as a person will attract a certain type of clientele, right? A certain type of Oh, that's true. Yeah. And so if you put that energy out there that you just want to like fix vanity and then you're going to get, you're probably going to get more vain people coming to you. Uh, you put the energy out there that you're really trying to help people that have some like huge insecurity or weight on them. You're going to attract that. So, and, and that could change in a heartbeat. Like you, one day you change the way that you speak and that's going to affect like how, how people come to you or see you. Is there a percentage in terms of like, okay, if I do this many consultations, this many people will actually go through with it? Um, okay. So here I have like plastic shirt, like medicine in general is very gray. It's not always black and white. And we try to make it as black and white as possible with like algorithms and all this stuff. And, and for some fields in medicine, it's very easy to do to have kind of an algorithm of how you treat something. 
But man, I'll tell you, it's a aesthetic medicine is a dirty, dirty field. If people only knew it's dirty because, okay, let me ask you this. Like how you, how do you like to live your life? Like, how would you, how would you categorize yourself? Are you a simple man? Simple. I'm a simple person too, but let's say I wasn't right. Let's say I liked having a boat and I like to have a big house. Well, I got to pay for that. So how am I going to pay for that? Well, someone's going to be patients are going to come to my office. And even if I aren't, if, if I'm not even aware of it subconsciously, I might have the weight of my mortgage on my mind. It's true. You are making a sale at the same time. I'm making a sale. And, and that, that's true in all of medicine to some degree. But in aesthetic medicine, forget about it. I mean, it is. I mean, who's to say? Who's to say what should be done or not? Oh, I could definitely see that, right? And people who are just with you get a, an, a, what's the word? Inscrupulous? Unscrupulous. Whatever, which, whatever one of those words is correct. But somebody's like, oh, I could do this too. I could do that. You should have that done. Yeah. I could definitely see it getting like. Oh, yeah. Salesman. It's it, people don't realize that. And here we are as a society and we think that like, oh, you know, if someone has a lot of stuff, they must be really good at what they're doing or must be like really successful. But maybe they're just a little greedier. Okay. So aesthetics is its own separate beast now because you can have some like aesthetic doctor in Turkey making a ton of money when other doctors aren't doing it, like aren't making anything there. But aesthetics is a huge draw now. How much, I mean, when you look at like most plastic surgeries, like how much are they usually costing? It could be, it could range like crazy. Like, okay, if you're talking about noses, you could find someone willing to do your nose for practically nothing, right? Like maybe a couple of thousand dollars, or maybe they'll even find a way to finagle doing it on insurance or something like that. And then you can have people charging twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars for for a nose job. That's how that's how much of a range there there is for everything. When you look at like other doctors, is there are there bad ones? Basically, like ooh, he screwed that one up. Oh. Like, okay, so now there's people that consistently screw things up. We're all going to screw something up. We're all going to screw something up. It's really about how often you do it. And like, if you're doing, like, if you think you're going to hit a home run 99% of the time, forget about it. There's no way. I mean, you're lucky to make someone happy 99% of the time. And if you're doing 100 surgeries, that means one person's really unhappy. And all you need is that one. All you need is that one. They, they, like be to, and I, I, uh, I'm very sensitive, man. Like if someone's unhappy, like I take that really, really hard. Like I don't want someone to be unhappy with something that I've done. Oh, let me ask you this first. So like what kind of training generally, like how much training does a plastic surgeon usually have to go through? So, okay. So again, there's many different ways to get to become a plastic surgeon, but let's say typically, you know, you go to med school and then you do a residency that typically it's a surgical residency. Um, and then you could do a fellowship. There's all kinds of different fellowships. So that's like if you could be a few more, it could be like with medical school, like over a decade easy. Are you ready for some harder slash listener submitted questions? Yeah, bring it. Have you ever had somebody back out on the table? Um, I've had to cancel some surgeries last second, uh, personally, not really on the table, but like in that holding room, right? Cause like right before surgery, you're, you kind of see the patient in the pre-op area and yeah, I've canceled patients. I've had people, I, I, I don't think anyone backed out last second, but I've kind of felt that maybe the right thing would be to cancel because they're not ready. Right. And, and you don't want someone to have surgery just because they got to this point. Can you pretty much like you've been doing it long enough, you can tell like, okay, this person really doesn't know versus this person is just nervous. Oh yeah. 
Yeah, but I, I try to suss them out beforehand. Like I spend a long time before we get to that point. You know, I'll meet them the day before or the week before or whatever, just like one last time before surgery. And I, I suss them out because, listen, I don't want that. Like we said, I don't want an unhappy patient or someone who doesn't know what they're getting themselves into. I'm like, screw that. Like, why, why is that worth it for me? How come some people who have gotten plastic surgery don't look human anymore? Oh, man, I know. What are we doing to ourselves? Is, is that because they got a bad one, a couple of bad ones, or just you've done this too much? Uh, it could be anything like that. It could be any of those. It could be one bad thing just really screwed them up. It could be, uh, yeah, a few things that additively caused this. And, and why? I mean, man, uh, it could be their judgment. People come asking for crazy ass stuff all the time. And you got to talk sense into them. And some surgeons, that's, that's their aesthetic. They kind of like that look maybe, or they think it looks good. I don't know. What's the, what's the craziest request you've ever had? Uh, listen, okay, there was a time where literally I was the world's leader in making dimples. Okay, put that into perspective, how crazy that is. Like somebody called my office once and asked if I do dimples and I've never even, never even crossed my mind. And not even a year later, I'm literally the world's expert at dimples because of that phone call, right? So people ask for crazy ass shit all the time. How do you make a dimple? Oh, you know, I, I'm like, it, it, uh, the simple answer is you, you literally make a, a, a little cut inside their mouth where a dimple should be and you, you kind of like tie the muscle down and create a little dimple. That's the simple answer. This question is just, should we be doing this? And I think what they mean by that is like, obviously from a medical standpoint, like we can do it. We can take this thing from this part of your body and put it on your face. But I guess is there, does it just work normally then? No, I, I always have the philosophy that like anytime you cut yourself or do anything, things will just never be exactly the same. There's, there's, there's no such thing as perfect surgery that has left no trace at all. I wish we never did any of this stuff. I'll be honest. I wish we lived in a world where we could all just be fully accepting of ourselves and our imperfections. But I just don't think we're built that way. I just don't think we are. And I think that like if they had this, this type of ease thousands of years ago, they would have done it back then. Oh, yeah. No, I would say that we, like, we're never going to change, right? It's one of those things. I understand what you mean, right? Like we shouldn't be doing this, but we were always going to be doing this. Who's, is our, our, who's easier to do surgeries on generally, women or men? Oh, well, I mean, like anatomically or just personality wise? I guess both. I mean, anatomically, it depends. It really depends. Like, for example, men's faces have a lot more vascularity. So they'll bleed more when you do surgery. Like, that's one thing I don't think most people know. They're just more vascular. Um, but yeah, a lot of it is psychology. I think the hard part about plastic surgery is just like expectations. And cause really as a surgeon, you're like, okay, well, how am I going to meet this person's expectations or hopefully exceed them? And there's just way more factors than just the, 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 the actual surgical result in achieving that goal. Hardest surgery, easiest surgery most painful surgery i think i would say most plastic surgeons and aesthetics would would say that rhinoplasties are the hardest surgeries again not because they're hard but because it's hard to get consistent results all the time so that's the hard part um easiest surgery look there's you could always make something hard or easy 
right? Anything we do, we could, there, there, were, there was like, okay, like 50 years ago, there were people doing rhinoplasty surgeries. Okay. There was this guy named, I think his name was Goldman, if I remember correctly, like really obviously he's dead now, but he would do uh, these rhinoplasties called the Goldman tip where it, it took him like five minutes to do five minutes. You would go in there and with a knife, just go cut, cut. And that was the surgery. It was called, he did this thing called the Goldman tip surgery to narrow a tip. And it took five minutes to do. And he was world famous. I mean, look, here I am. I, I'm talking you about still him, know like, him all this still time know later, him, right? Still know him. And it was the easiest thing on, on, and, and now no one should be doing that because it caused so much, so many long-term issues. Oh yeah, like people couldn't even breathe afterwards, but they loved their cute little tiny narrow tip. <laughs> <laughs> I had a girl. I had a girl last week, and we were going to do her rhinoplasty, and I told her she couldn't breathe. And I'm like, "Listen, to get you to breathe, we got to make your nose a little wider right here because it's too narrow." And she's like, "Fuck that! No way! I'd rather not breathe." <laughs> I wonder how many people, if you said, look, I can make your eyes look perfect, but you're only going to be able to see out of one of them. How many people would probably be like, okay. Uh, I'll bet some, I'll bet more than we would expect. Okay. Uh, I try to ask this question in a way that you can answer it. If you were to rank famous people on a scale of like 10 is the most famous people. And one is like, they're famous, but like, what number would be the most famous person that you've consulted or operated one? Um, yeah, probably nine, I would say. Is pretty much everybody in Hollywood had one. Listen, we live in a world where, what city do you live in? Seattle. Okay, so here in LA, the crazy thing, I think most 20-something-year-old normal girls have had something at this point. Isn't that crazy? It's, yeah. That's crazy to me. Like that, it's just become so normal now to just go get your lips done or go get a little something here or get a little this. It's just crazy to me. The only thing that I would say that annoys me about it, and I don't know if annoy is the right word, so give me some room, is when people don't admit to it, right? Like if a celebrity is just like, no, I just look like this or I just use this skincare product when in reality, like, You've had all this stuff done. That's the only thing that I feel like they're creating an unrealistic expectation. You know what? And to me, it's like, I see being a role model as a huge responsibility, right? So sometimes you got to think to yourself, like, for example, I don't really like being in public that much. Honestly, I kind of shy away from publicity and it's just not my thing. I don't like being recognized. But if you're making a conscious effort to be a recognizable figure and now you know that you are a role model, you've got to like, at least me, you got to see that as some responsibility. And now you got to ask yourself, okay, well, what am I doing to people if I'm their role model? Have you seen the movie Face Off? And if oh, so, years ago. Could, yeah, with Nicolas Cage. Could I mean, you that's do old, that? Right? No, it's, but maybe I think it'll be, I, will we be there one day? I don't know. I think that's a little extreme, but if you think about, we could make so many modifications. Now I have people bring in a picture of what they want to look like, whether it be a celebrity or whatever. And they're like, okay, I need this a little bit more like this. And so it doesn't have to be so extreme. Like let's just switch faces, but I just, there's a lot we can do now. Can you, can you fundamentally change what somebody is look like? And I mean that in the sense like, can you take an apple and change it into an orange? Or can you just change, take an apple and change it into a different kind of apple? So I think there's like some things about us that are really uh, recognizable. I don't know if you remember a few years ago, uh, what's her name? What's that actress from... Um... Bridget Jones's diary. What was the name? Zellweger. Yeah, I remember. Renee yeah, Zellweger. And you remember people were just flipping out. Like, what did you do to her face? I do remember that kind of. I remember Jerry Jones from the Cowboys when he yes. like had like whoa. And you know what? And I get this all the time. So so sometimes we have a really recognizable feature about us, whether it's be be our eyes or something or nose. 
like, oh, what's her name? Uh, Jennifer Grey. You remember Jennifer Grey from Dirty Dancing? No. No, you don't. You know why? You know why you don't remember her? She, she went. She got different. a nose job, and she looks like a different person. And then, and then, so you look at, at Renee Zellweger. She didn't really do that much. She went and she got her some eyelid surgery just to cut away a little bit of the extra skin, and that just changed her look drastically. So you know, you sometimes you don't have to do that much to change your look drastically, but if it's like a really prominent feature on you, like something that that is really whether striking in one way or another, something that that kind of gives you your character. And if you change that, sometimes even slightly, that can make a real big difference. I do remember that now. And I think that she's in some new show. And I was like, who the hell is that? Yeah. Yeah. You go Google Jennifer Grey before. And all she did, she went, she got her nose done. And it wasn't even a bad rhinoplasty, but she had like, it was just her feature. And she changed it and boom, poof, different person. Now, could you see that coming ahead of time? Yeah. Or you'd be like, oh, if you change this. I say that all the time. Don't change that. That's my, I tell that. And sometimes people listen and sometimes they don't. And I'm like, man, please don't change that about yourself. That's like your character. And they'll be, I don't like my character. And you're like, well, you say that now, but let's see you lose that and how you feel then. That's true. Yeah, that's crazy, right? Like somebody has a very identifiable thing, and if they lose that, then you're like, oh, who the hell are you anymore? Yeah. Um, oh, how can I spot a bad plastic surgeon? Yeah, I'll t- it's so hard. It's so hard because, okay, I'll be honest. Let's say nowadays, right, you, you look up someone's website, and you look at their reviews, and you look at their before and after photos, and you gotta you gotta say to yourself, even if you see a lot of great before and after photos, you don't know what percentage of the time they got that result. Oh, that's yeah. People that don't true, think right? about that. Like, okay, is it they just have good judgment about what a good result is? Like, can you imagine if you if you did a hundred surgeries and one of them turned out really great, but now you're only showing that one. You're not showing the 99 others that turned out horribly. People might think you're a great surgeon. These are the things the public, they just, you know, they're not aware. No, you know, it's not like we're expecting them to be aware. But, man, it's uh, it's very easy to manipulate people's opinions now. Like, what makes a great surgeon now? Like, the person who has the most followers on, on TikTok I get contacted all the time like, hey, we have a spot available for this article we're writing about the best plastic surgeons in America. Do you want to pay to be in it? That's that is for for people who may not be aware. A lot of times when you see those kind of best of lists, somebody has paid to be on that list. All the time. All All the the time, time. pretty much now. Like they're usually pretty much bullshit. Man, it's bullshit. Is, yeah. It's it's all bullshit, and people don't know that, right? Because people like they want to to have some trust. They want to feel like they're going they're going to have a great result and they're going to a great surgeon. But there's no way of knowing. That's the scary part. That's crazy, right? Um, where do you think it goes in the future? Oh, there's no end. There's no end. It's all gonna be. Oh, here's, yeah, some new thing that is now easy to do. If we can make something easy, then there's a market for it. That's really, like, that's the limiting factor. How many things can we make easy and accessible? But do you think we'll even get to the point of like, well, you know what? Your shoulder blade sticks out a little bit more. Yes, we're there. We're there. I know a surgeon who literally reduces the size of people's clavicles because it, it makes their, their neck and shoulder looks better. It's not, it's crazy. Or, or reduce the size of someone's calves or make the calves bigger or so many things. There's no end. There's no, listen, as a person who literally for years was the world's dimple expert, and how ridiculous that is and how many people flew in for such a ridiculous thing. I am not surprised by anything anymore. 
who has the world's dimple title now? Who'd you lose the title you know, to? I, I stopped doing them because I just found it to be so ridiculous and I wanted to pursue other things. So years ago, I, I stopped promoting it. I stopped, like, I turned people away. We, we don't really promote it. I think there's a guy in Georgia now who basically does a lot of them and promotes himself as doing them. I don't know him personally, but he's he's now the king. I, I lost my I lost my crown. I want to thank Dr. Arnoff so much for joining us. If you want to connect with him, we have linked to him on our social media sites. We're profoundly pointless on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram. And we've also included his information in the episode description. Okay, now let's bring in John Schull and get to the pointless part of the show. If you could change one thing about yourself, what would you change with plastic surgery? I mean, obviously, I think the first thing would be like my waist or, or like my, my weight, right? But then I'm like, I'm trying to associate the scars and the after effects of that. Like, I'm overweight, yeah, but do I want to get like plastic surgery that's going to look good for maybe 10 years and then it's going to be really bad for the next 30 i think weight loss would be the hard one to do because that's that's coming back it's not like if you chop an inch off your nose that that's coming back <laughs> maybe like a chin reduction you know like maybe like a double chin reduction or something that that might not be bad if they can do that oh you don't want to reduce the chin you want to reduce the second chin or and the third sometimes depending how bad i'm laughing Okay, but if you all right, if you did like a plastic surgery and it was a big success, mm -hmm. do you think that would you be an entirely different person? Do you think that people would treat you differently and that you would then feel differently about yourself? Yeah, I can't speak like I can't really answer that question, but I will say that I view others differently uh, that have had plastic surgery. Uh, mainly celebrities, you know, you see them after and you're like, oh God, like what is that? What happened? Yeah, but those are like the easy examples of somebody like Carrot Top where you're like, what oh. did you just do? <laughs> but you don't know about the good ones. Besides weight, because I feel like that's an easy mm -hmm. one, do you have any feature that you feel insecure about? Like, oh, I wish that was different. Some. I, but I don't, I don't think plastic surgery. Like, I, I have really crooked fingers. I, I don't know. I don't know if, like, I don't know if, like, he can fix, like, my fingers. I don't think that I would ever think about my fingers, but it's interesting what people would be self-conscious about that you would never think. Like I would think people would be like nose, forehead, chin, and that would be about it. But I would never think of like being self-conscious about my fingers or something. I also want to know like, do you go searching for plastic surgery or is it something recommended like someday you're just in the doctor's office and the doctor's like, hey, John, you know, your your chin is looking a little bad these days. Let me give you a referral to a plastic surgeon. Well, I don't think any reputable doctor is going to go ahead and tell you that. And if you've heard that from a from a, from a doctor, you should probably start looking for a new one. Never heard because, that. I, you know, I, I was in the room when I was nine, 10 or 11 years old when the doctor told my mother uh, that maybe we should lay off the fast food for him. And here's a Weight Watchers brochure. I don't think any doctor would ever be like, man, you got a big ass nose and you should do that. Man, your ears are fucking floppy. Get to the plastic surgeon. The thing that he talked about that I thought was interesting was that some people that he's done procedures on then feel like a completely different person. And for me, so five, eight and three quarters as measured by USA Life Insurance, shout out to USA Life Insurance. <laughs> I don't think that my life would be completely different at like 5'9 or 5'10, but I think my life would be completely different if I was like 6'1 or 6'2. My personality would be different, like everything would be different about me. Hmm. Yeah, I don't I don't think I would be different, but then it's easy for me to say that. Oh, I think that I think that you're I think you're underestimating how different your life would be with a major physical change. Okay. <laughs> All right, that's 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 my big question for you. Big question. Is it time for the shout-outs? We are now on week eight of John <laughs> speaking directly into the microphone, trying to see how much longer he's going to be fascinated by the concept of a microphone. <laughs> my guess is it's probably going to follow the normal pattern of right now he's just doing it to be stubborn, but eventually he'll lose interest. So I'm going to say probably around week 16. I feel... So we got eight more weeks of doing that. Can we get, can we get a, a sponsor to get me a shirt? Of me, like, leaning into the microphone and just, you know, 
just going thank you uh all right uh let's see let's give some no let's give some shout outs no. here <laughs> just no 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 all right uh connor bullion appreciate you uh ian burchett tanner ramsey uh luke humphreys shane lewis alex diggins lilia gerardo alex southworth Chris Wardlow and Joe Bertoni. I uh, appreciate all of you checking out checking us out last week. A lot of them, uh, Nick, are seem to be part of the uh, disc uh, golf uh, community. Not disc golf, but uh, oh yeah, disc golf. Um, wow. I know I <laughs> did you practice this before well, because this is this is beautiful. No, I, I didn't. But a lot of them seem to be from that community, so appreciate them. Uh, Checking out the last episode, which was fascinating, by the way. Uh, found out that my wife has a cousin who is an aspiring professional uh, disc golfer as well. So, or okay. So, uh, so yeah. So you know, a lot, lot of conversation here. Uh, moving on. Are you ready for the can? Does they off the top of your head? Does the cousin? Does you think the cousin has a shot, or is he chasing dreams? Uh, so it's a her. Her name's uh, Stacy Ronsley. For all you out there listening, who might be just tuning in again, uh, second time around. Um, check her out. I mean, I, I don't really, I've, I haven't never seen her play, so I don't, I don't know. And, uh, when I said check her out, I mean like see her online, uh, websites. What's something then that you really wanted to be good at, but you just weren't? Oh, man, there's a lot. Um, I mean the fir- one of the first things that comes to my mind is like chess. I always wanted to be good at chess and I'm just not good at chess. At what age should you no longer lose at tic-tac-toe? Like you shouldn't lose at tic tac toe past this age. I mean, I think I think it all depends who you're playing. I mean, if I'm playing you, then I, you know, if if I split you even, you know, fifty fifty, and how many or how many ever games are playing, okay. Now, if I'm playing my three year old, and I lose once, the board's going out the window, probably. I just don't think that any tic tac toe match between adults should end in anything other than a draw past the age of ten. <laughs> When I right, like you, there's only so many combinations. Like, right past the age of ten, every tic tac toe match should be a draw. I, I, I mean, I, I agree with you on the combinations, but I, I, didn't, I haven't played tic tac toe in years. So I, I mean, I'm, I'm gonna say yes, I suppose. All right, well, uh, okay, you ready for the All candle right. of the month? Yeah, I'm always ready for the candle of the month. Yeah, uh, let me see here. I, I don't want to ruin it, so let me. I gotta exit out of my Caitlyn Jenner search here. Um, I'm, okay. I'm gonna go here. Obviously, it's uh, we're coming up on St. Patty's Day, so this is gonna be a St. Patrick's Day themed uh, candle of the month. Uh, there's two of them. Uh, the first is called Lucky Shamrock. You can pick that up at Yankee Candle, or the other one, which is uh, in most stores, Meyer, Walmart. Uh, it's called Lucky Clover. I do not have Lucky Clover, but I do have uh, Lucky Shamrock, and it is pretty. It's pretty awesome. Candle of okay. On a scale of one to ten, like where do you think that your amateur cow- candle knowledge is? Ooh, not professional level. You're not a buyer or seller. You're not making them. But where do you think you would stack up against other candle enthusiasts? Oh well, first off, I, it's it's like scale of one to ten. Scale of one to ten. I'm just going to answer your amateur question. Um, I'll say a four. <sighs> Come on, dude. You have your own segment of candle of the month that we do every dude. single month, and you're going to come in here with a four level knowledge. Dude. You're wasting the people's time. No, listen, I'm being respectful to the community. It's like it's like the plant community. You think you know stuff about plants and planting, and then you get involved in that community, and you're like, I don't know anything. Or if you think you know something, uh, you don't know anything. Is there like a is there who's the leader then of the candle community? Is there somebody everybody <laughs> looks up to? I, I I wouldn't know. I I guess I haven't been fully welcomed into that. I'm, I'm still an outlier of, of the candle community. I'm trying to work my way in. Okay. All right. What steps are you taking to do that? <laughs> you know, out of all the things you said, you completely don't give a shit about me talking about. How is this one of them? I just want to know. I mean, if I wanted to be in the candle community and wanted to work my way up and was passionate about candles. I would know some of the candle influencers. I would go to some <laughs> candle-related web pages. I would, you know, practice trying to smell different things, like they do with like wine or whiskey or whatever. And they like, ooh, that's a taste. Ooh, spring rush, Yankee Candle. 
I'm. Are you, are you I'm, practicing this? I'm, I'm just more. I'm more of a more of a uh, renegade. I'm more of an outlaw candle uh, connoisseur. Yeah, that is an outlaw community. I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the outlaw of candle. Jesus Christ! Why? Why that's not your Twitter bio or social media bio? The outlaw candle connoisseur. Do they? Is you think I should? Maybe that's what I should do. Mistake. I haven't. I don't know honestly why you haven't stopped recording this episode and changed it <laughs> right now. At all. It's gonna be the most important thing I do all week, probably. The outlaw candle connoisseur. <laughs> candle connoisseur. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. Uh, let's see here. What do I got for you? Uh, all right. Uh, let's see. So, say you're microwaving a burrito, which we know you're a burrito fan. Um, I am. I, I want to know two things. One. Are you the kind of person that you you heat it up knowing the first bite's going to burn the shit out of you, but you do it anyways? Or do you heat it to where it's just a little bit warm, but you know that it's 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 okay to eat, you're not going to burn yourself, but at some point you're going to bite into it and get, you know, some coldness? Which kind of person are Depend, you? Depends a little bit on what I'm doing. If I'm going to go ahead and, like, heat it up and then maybe I've got a couple of minutes where I need to do something else, like, oh, I'm going to eat. But if I microwave this burrito right now, I can come back to it when I'm ready. If I'm going to do that, then I'm going to overheat it and be okay with that and let it cool down. But if I want to eat it right away, I'm going to go on the side of cold. Like if five is completely, if five is right where you want to be, one is cold, 10 is way too hot, I would go up to a four. Because cold burrito is not really going to taste that much different. Oh, man. Than our other burrito. I think everybody that listens to this and has listened to this uh, podcast would not be surprised by what you just said. Um, my second question. You'd, uh, we, you'd rather burn your mouth off than eat something a little bit cold. Oh, I'm a complete idiot. when it, like I don't eat a lot of burritos, but like pizza rolls. I, I am the person that puts them in for 10 minutes, takes them out, and then the first bite I just – I always burn my mouth knowing that I'm going to burn my mouth because I'm just a moron and I don't – I just – don't take care of it, I guess. Yeah, well, you could. Well, you are the outlaw candle connoisseur, so I understand. <laughs> All right, uh, second question. We're staying in the kitchen. Uh, what uh, to you? What is an okay amount uh, of I don't know juice, pop, whatever? Say you have a uh, uh, some orange juice in the fridge. And you, you you go to have it. What is an okay amount just to just to chug it all? Say f you, family. It's to a point to where this is all mine. I'm just gonna drink it. Like a quarter left, a tenth left. Do you just start at half and just see where you go? Oh, I mean, for me, if it's in the fridge, as far as I'm concerned, it's fair game for whoever. So if I'm a big, I don't leave anything for my family. <laughs> If it's there, you had your opportunity to get it. You didn't make that choice. I'm going to go for it, right? If there's a dollar on the bill, I'm not dollar on the ground. I'm not waiting to see who else is going to come by and see if they want a share of it. I'm picking it up. That's a per- that's a, that's a perfect Nick Vinzan answer right there. Thank you. Take I'm courteous. There will be a quarter thing of milk left, and I'll, I'll you know say I want to have some cereal. I'll just I'll have a little bit and leave the rest for for my family. Right, but then see, then ultimately at the end of the day then somebody's going to have, there's going to be milk left over and somebody's not going to use all of that and you're going to throw it out and it's going to get old. You strike while the iron is hot. All right, let's see here. What uh, what current events? I mean, once again, it's all dark and shit usually, but uh, what about the new Batman? You going to go see it? You check it out at all? I have this thing where I refuse to watch popular movies. If a movie becomes too popular, I won't go watch it. Like, I watched all of those Marvel films up until Avengers Endgame and then stopped watching it. Okay. And have never watched another one since then. Have no interest to do it. Once something becomes something that everybody's doing, I can't do it anymore. I lose all interest. So the answer is probably no. Well, the early reviews, not to say critics mean anything, but the early reviews uh, seem to be pretty positive in, in favor of Robert Pattinson doing a great job uh, as Batman, which... I only know him as the vampire guy, so maybe he's going to be – maybe he'll do do a great job and he won't be remembered as the vampire guy after this. I, I have no idea, but um, – Did you watch Twilight? Have you seen it? Yes, but I was I, – I fell asleep through most of it. That was like – Oh, okay. So you have it on DVD. I mean, I think my wife might. I don't. I think she might have it. All right. So you've seen it multiple times probably in the last year. No, no. 
But I will tell you the werewolf guy is from Michigan, so props props to him. Taylor Lautner. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, dude, you watched it in this year. Man, did his I've always been fascinated by big hit movies and how one person's career like takes off and sticks around and other people's careers just go nowhere. <laughs> like, if you think of Twilight, he's the most successful. Then probably the woman. I don't know what her name is. Stuart, I think it is. And then there's nobody else from that entire franchise. If you think of Game of Thrones, who's the big star from Game of Thrones now? Oh, well, I mean, I, uh, I think it's... Tyrion. Probably, that's it. He's the yeah, only Peter. guy that had any staying power. Okay, all right. Are you ready for Are you ready for a top five? Yeah, let's, let's talk about things that uh, people who've made $20 million don't have to worry about. So our top five is top five easy things you hate doing. What's your number five? Man, so I don't know about you, but I have I have probably two dozen things I wrote down. So I'm gonna really try oh, wow. to try to try to put these into a concise top five list. But uh, for number five here, I'm going to say um, uh, I hate walking into a store um, uh, based upon knowing that I'm going to be bothered by somebody trying to sell me something within the store. And uh, for instance, you walk into Best Buy and there's somebody there from Uverse. Hi, you have Uverse today? I do actually. Oh well, let me upgrade your account. Or no, I don't have it. And then they follow you, follow you around the store, and then ten minutes later, hi sir, how are you? Just talk to me. I'm the only guy in here, 275 pounds, that's wearing a turtleneck. Okay. What kind of a public persona do you have? Because those people, I don't know if it's like a look on my face or something, but like I never get bothered I, at stores. People never approach me to talk to me. Everybody, I mean, everyone approaches me. I, I swear, I, I'm not even kidding when I say that. I, I, I will just have random, I will have random people assume that I am a certain, we'll say a, like a political affiliation and they talk to me. Or I walk into a restaurant and they say, you know, they just start talking about their life to me. Like I, like I care. You do seem and look like a much friendlier person than I am. Um, my number five is going to the bathroom. <laughs> I hate going to the bathroom. You got to stop what you're doing. You got to go in there. You got to flush the toilet. You got to wash your hands and you got to start what you're doing again. Like going to the bathroom to me is such a pain in the ass. Well, I mean, you can, you can streamline it many ways. You don't have to wash your hands, you know, pee in the kitchen, pee in the kitchen sink. You're fine. Uh, yeah, that's that's not. I don't mind. I actually find the bathroom to be, especially have two having two little kids. I find if I go in the bathroom and lock the doors for for two minutes, sometimes it's a nice getaway. What's your number four? Um, exercising. I don't think exercising is easy to do, man. I mean, I can just that's... I can walk around the block. It's not hard. Oh, so yours would just be like walking, not really exercise. Yeah, like going on the elliptical for 30 minutes at a moderate pace is not that difficult if you're a healthy person. I mean, running, once you start running, like, all right, now you're doing something. But yeah. you can get away with walking or the stationary bike or an elliptical machine, and that's pretty easy yeah. to do. Yeah, I mean, even even like certain exercises like – you know, crunches or, or something like they're easy to do. Uh, my number four is replacing a trash bag. Oh. I hate replacing trash. Oh, that's bags. a good one, man. especially if you have little kids. I'm going back to little kids again, and you got to replace like their, you know, their dirty diaper bag, trash bag. That's the worst. That's a good one. All right, my uh, my number three here is uh, calling to change a service. So like, you know, calling the cable company, calling your phone company. Once again, it's it's easy, but it's just they make it so damn difficult. I, my number three is along those lines. I have just making an appointment in general. I hate calling and making appointments. It's awful. Uh, I mean, I I don't think that's that terrible. Uh, now, dealing with anybody in the billing department is terrible or anything like that. So we're, we're, we're along the same, same lines there, I think. Uh, so my number two is... <laughs> Ordering at a drive-thru. I mean, it's a little bit of a pain in the ass where you're just used to like, you think that by now they'd be able to read your mind. <laughs> it's like, it's like for me, it's like having parking lot anxiety. I get, I get really anxious for some reason in a drive-thru and I don't know why. 
Like I really, even if it's just like going to McDonald's, ordering a number three, and that's all I have to say, I get anxiety. And then, of course, like if I order number three, then the person's not going to hear me or they're going to make me repeat it or they're going to fuck it up or mess it up, even though, you know, they, they, you know, they say, look at it on the screen and then it's still messed up. It's just it's just it's really stressful. And I'm, I'm not a big fan. I would rather order on my phone ahead of time, walk in the store, pick it up or even even doing counter to counter is OK, but not uh, not drive through. I don't do drive throughs very well. Have you ever forgotten to actually order the drive-thru and just showed up at the window <laughs> no never never that actually two weeks ago uh and this is one of a few times that i've ever done this but i ordered and then when i got up to the to the pay window or whatever to get the food and pay um i got so fed up with the service that i just drove off where are you going this was actually at a at a nicer one of the nicer fast food restaurants i think it's called culver's um and your level of anxiety indicates that you've either had the worst string of experiences or this is something that like you're just not very good at it and like you're doing something wrong you're not speaking clearly you're mumbling it's everybody else's fault because i'm quite frankly leaning to the fact that it's probably something that you're doing <laughs> because nobody has that many run-ins with customer service i've never had a drive-through order that was incorrect I've never had to spend extra time there, like repeating myself. I've never gotten flustered. I've never been overcharged. Like I've had no problems in my life ordering the drive-through, and you seem to have a constant string of problems. And one thing I've learned in life: wherever you are, <laughs> where, like wherever you go, there you are. Right? No matter what drive-through you go to, it's still you ordering. So I think that you need to reevaluate your drive-through. <laughs> I, I'm not. I'm not. Gonna, I'm not going to disagree with you. However, I, I don't think it's me for for the most part. That's the problem. <laughs> That's the problem. <laughs> I know it's not me. For you know, I almost yes. I, I, it's I, I. It's not me. Trust me. I. Okay. Okay. All right. Let's let's pretend that we're at what restaurant do you want to be at? I don't want to do this. I'm already okay, getting anxious King, just then. thinking about it. We're at Burger King. Let's let's just do this. We're at Burger King. Hi, welcome to Burger King. Can I take your order? Uh, yeah. Can I get a number four with a Coke, please? All right. I mean, that was good. Like, I feel like that should be understandable. But now imagine that you've got to order for yourself and your other family members. See, but see, maybe I should have added, that's the problem. That That's that's the fucking issue there is my wife. Oh, see, now now we're getting into the real meat. Oh, now you're blaming other to. people for it. I, I, ha- I have to blame her. I have to blame her. You know what? You point one finger at somebody, you got three or four pointing back at you. <laughs> we can't just go to a fast. We can't go anywhere without her having to get, you know. I, I would like a cheeseburger wow. with half a slice of cheese, medium temp, with a splatter of ketchup. It's like, God, you order it then. But you see, that's your problem then. You haven't put your foot down and set boundaries. And you haven't said, if you want all this stuff, you order it. When my wife orders a coffee and I go to pick it up for her, I don't speak. She text messages to me and then I show them the text message. There's no speaking. Right? So then you need to set some boundaries and say, if you want this, then you order it. (laughs) And you're not doing that. You're not putting your foot down. You're getting walked over. And this is why when you go into stores, everybody comes up and talks to you. You can't spend your life as a pushover, man. You got to. What's your number two? I just got to move on. Getting gas. I hate getting gas. I mean, it's. All you got to do is you pull over, you put the thing in there. It's really probably a grand total of 45 seconds worth of effort, but I just hate it. Well, you know, that, that's what we should have talked about in the current events section here is how gas is $10 a gallon. But, you know. How much is it right now where you are? Uh, four forty-five. I I looked this morning. All right. Um, my number one here, it's I have two things for my number one. Uh, dishes and dusting. Oh, I don't really think those are easy. I, I mean, I, I, think the, I think they're relatively easy, but... Uh, I just I hate doing dishes for multiple reasons and dusting it's it's almost useless because you dust something the next day there's dust again and it's very frustrating. I've never understood washing your car. I will never understand why people wash their cars. It's, 
Like why? You get like you get one nice it's day. Still outside. You get one nice day in the winter here in Michigan, and people are just flock to the car wash. And I'm like, it makes no sense. Just makes absolutely. I don't no get sense. it. Uh, my number one is answering the phone. You don't. You think that's hard? I mean, I don't hate answering. Them. Actually, if someone calls me now, I almost have more respect for them than them just texting. Me. Oh, here we go. <laughs> I knew you were going to say. Here we go on the John Show. I love World War Two submarines. <laughs> these days, kids these days aren't like they were before. Listen, we can't. Let's hear the rant. I can't talk. Let's I can't it. talk about uh, my uh, my World War Two history days because you know, hey, we're we're living through an, another conflict. So let's just move on here. Uh, what's in your honorable mention? All right, what do I have here? Uh, putting laundry away, uh, vacuuming, uh, going to the dentist, uh, changing passwords. Oh, that's a good hate, one, man. Yeah, I hate you. It's pretty easy to change a password, but that's it's easy. But it, it just it just sucks doing, and I have to do it so so frequently. Um, and then I, I have I, I put on here plunging a toilet. The, like how you feel going through a drive-through is how I feel when the toilet is backed up. And I know it's going to be a simple problem of just plunging it out for a couple of seconds, but I'm just mentally in my head calculating the thousands of dollars this is about to cost me <laughs> to get a plumber out here, and my whole sewer system is wrecked, and they're going to have to dig up the street, and I got to file permits. Like that's what's going on in my head every time I have to like get a small backup. I just imagine you so fucking pissed. Oh, oh fucking god! There's few things in my life you'll that you'll see me angry, and that's getting on an airplane mm-hmm. and when the toilet starts to back up. <laughs> so awesome though. Ah, uh, that's all I had. Um, let's see what do I have? I have letting the dog out. Like it's just Ooh. opening a door, but I'm like, god dang it, that thing has to pee again. I will say that I, I, it's not enough to get on my honorable mention, but like now when it's muddy as hell outside, I hate it. I mean, I absolutely hate letting the dog out knowing he's going to get muddy as hell and he has to come back in the house. Yeah, so that's a good one. Okay, that's going to go ahead and do it for this episode of Profoundly Pointless. I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you get a chance, please leave a review or a rating. We really appreciate it. You really help us out when you do that. And let us know what are some things that for you are really easy and you know they should be easy, but they're just so hard to actually do. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.